You have to think that for most of his life, Adley Rutschman has been the best baseball player on the field in pretty much any game he's played in. But somehow, until Thursday, he had never in his baseball life hit a walk-off home run. Well, that has all changed as Adley walked it off for the Orioles on Thursday afternoon to get the series win over the A's. And I'll break it all down coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, April 14th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to recap an exciting Orioles victory on Thursday afternoon as they beat the Oakland A's 8-7 to to take three out of four in the series. And Adley Rutschman wins it with his first career walk-off homer. It was fun to be in the yard for Thursday's game. And I'll get you the five things you need to know from that one. Then we'll switch over to a little more negative side because the reason the Orioles even had to walk off in this game and didn't just kind of run away with this series win is because the starting rotation continues to really, really struggle. They're coming out early in games, giving up a lot of runs, and Cole Irvin continued that trend on Thursday. I'll break down how bad this rotation was in this series against a really bad athletic team and what it means going forward and who could potentially be replaced. And then we'll talk about the roster move that the Orioles made on Thursday, calling up Ryan O'Hearn and how good his debut was in an Orioles uniform. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So we start today with an Orioles victory. Orioles 8, Athletics 7, the final score from Thursday afternoon at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. The O's winning it on an Adley Rutschman walk-off solo home run on the second pitch of the bottom of the ninth inning, leading it off to win the game. Orioles win the series, 3 out of 4 from Oakland. They finish their homestand with a 4-3 and three winning record, and they are back over 500 at 7-6 and six overall through 13 games of this 2023 season. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 8-7 win over the A's. And the first thing you need to know, of course, is that Adley Rutschman played hero on Thursday. He told Kevin Brown and Ben McDonald after the game that surprisingly, that was his first ever walk-off home run at any level of baseball, and he saved it for the major leagues with the Orioles. So that's certainly fun. But Adley, he had another good game, and he continues to be the most productive player on the Orioles right now. Now, this was his only hit, but he had a good game behind the plate. And even with a one for five, he's still hitting 373 with a 1094 OPS on the season. And even as good as Ryan Mountcastle and Austin Hayes have been, Adley has still been the Orioles' best hitter through 13 games this season. And he did have another hard hit ball on the day, but you know he wasn't exactly crushing the ball on Thursday like he had been earlier in the season. Did swing at a 3-0 pitch and just miss... Uh, a go-ahead double or maybe even a two-run homer in the sixth inning on a 99-mile-per-hour fly out to right field. But the walk-off homer was an absolute bomb. Trevor May came in out of the A's bullpen, 7-7 game, bottom nine. Adley takes the first pitch, second pitch, fastball, 
rockets it out of here quickly to right center field for the walk-off homer. 104 miles per hour off the bat, traveled 405 feet for the solo shot to win the game for the Orioles. I was in the yard, not the biggest crowd in the world, but still solid amount of fans there, and they went crazy for the Adley walk-off home run, got doused in water and Gatorade and whatever it may be after that game, and just a really, really cool moment for Adley Rutschman with his first walk-off in an Orioles uniform, hopefully the first of many. Second thing you need to know from this one is that really the entire offense, not just Adley Rutschman, was alive and well in this game. Orioles put up eight runs on 12 hits in this win over the A's, you know, following up the games they had earlier in the week, specifically Tuesday night when they scored 12 runs against Oakland in that win as well. And they just continued to hit the ball. Eight of the nine starters had at least one hard hit ball in this game. You had five of them have multiple hard hit balls in the game. The only one who didn't hit one hard was Cedric Mullins, who still got a hit. Eight of the nine starters got a hit in this game as well. The only guy who went hitless, Jorge Mateo, on an 0 for 3, still had two RBIs on this game. So all nine guys in the lineup really helped the Orioles in this one. Ryan Mountcastle hit another home run, his sixth. It was a solo shot in the third inning that tied the game at four at that time. Austin Hayes with another great day. He was three for four in this one. He's now hitting 340 on the season. The O's are just getting contributions up and down the lineup right now, and it's really fun to watch. Third thing you need to know from this one, specifically from the lineup, even the guys who have been struggling early this year got things going on Thursday afternoon. Gunnar Henderson's had a tough season so far, but he went one for three with a double and two runs scored, had two hard-hit balls in this game, which was really nice to see for Gunnar, who Brandon Hyde rightly said before the game Thursday, Gunnar's just a young player who's pressing a little bit right now, but he had a screaming double in the third inning that he hit 104 off the bat, even a flyout that was 99 miles per hour off the bat in the seventh inning as well, also reached on a hit-by-pitch early in the game and was okay. So that was good to see Gunnar Henderson do that. Cedric Mullins, who has been struggling, he at least had a, a single in this game, also drew a walk, reaching base twice, still just hitting 184 with a 600 OPS, but hopefully he can turn that around. And then you had Taron Vavra, who really had not done much at all this season, but Vavra got the start in right field, hitting the seven hole, and Vavra with a two for three and a walk on the day, reaching base in three out of his four plate appearances, which is always a good sign for him. He's up to 231 on the batting average on the year after he was in a 2-for-20 extended slump really to start the season at one point. But Vavra put some good swings on the ball. His single in the second inning was 106 off the bat, just mashed it. His single in the eighth inning was 97 miles per hour off the bat. He was hitting the ball hard in this game, and you love to see those three guys hopefully starting to get the bats going. Fourth thing you need to know from this one as we switch things to the pitching side the 7th, 8th, and ninth inning combination that we saw the Orioles use to really keep this game tied on Thursday afternoon, at least for the next couple of weeks, at least early in the season, that might be the go-to, the ideal 7-8-9 combination. With the game tied at 7, heading into the 7th inning, the Orioles turned it over to Brian Baker, who after a, a bit of a slow start to the year has been really good lately. Baker did issue a one-out walk and probably should have had a strikeout, missed a call on a 1-2 pitch, but other than that, put up a zero, no hits with a strikeout and a walk on 18 pitches in the seventh inning. Then Danny Coulomb came in in the eighth inning, the left-hander who the Orioles just basically got off waivers right before opening day. He did allow a hit but had two strikeouts in a scoreless eighth inning. His stuff looked filthy. Coulomb has still not allowed a run in an Orioles uniform this year. And then, of course, Felix Bautista came in in a tie game in the top of the ninth and 
Easily set the A's down one, two, three with two strikeouts. Even somehow struck out Brent Rooker, who hit two homers and had five RBIs in this game for the A's, had three homers in the series, and just generally dominated the O's over these four games. But Bautista and Baker, they were both able to strike him out in the seventh and ninth innings, respectively. Bautista just attacked hitters. I mean, for Bautista to get two strikeouts and still only throw 10 pitches is really, really impressive from the mountain on Thursday afternoon. Again, he got off to a little bit of a slow start as well, but his stuff is looking super crisp. The velo was up for Bautista. He averaged, averaged 101 on the fastball on Thursday. That's pretty impressive. He went with five splitters, four fastballs, and one slider, and the stuff looked good. Coulomb was just, I mean, it was fun. It was nine sliders. It was some fastballs. It was some curveballs, a sweeper, a changeup. He was throwing them all up there, and he got a, only a couple of whiffs, but they came at, at really, really key times. Felix Bautista, meanwhile, I mean, six swings, five whiffs. Are you kidding me? A's hitters swung at four splitters. Four out of the five splitters Bautista threw, A's hitters swung at them. They swung and missed on all four of those swings against the splitter. It's undoubtedly a top 10 pitch in all of baseball right now. That thing is just ridiculous. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from this Orioles 8-7 win over the A's, finishing up on the pitching side, is that despite the bullpen really doing a good job, you know, Baker, Coulomb, and Bautista, and even Austin Voth, who did allow a home run to the first battery face, but then did get himself, not very convincingly, but through two innings of relief with only giving up one run, the bullpen in general was probably the reason why the Orioles won this game. But the starting pitching from Cole Irvin certainly was not, and he was bad once again for the Orioles. And after two rough starts for Irvin and his Orioles debuts after being traded from the Athletics, you would think, okay, he's facing his old team. This is a glorified AAA lineup. This is a time to settle back in. And also, Irvin talked with Andy Koska of the Baltimore Banner for a story earlier this week. Talked about how he went back and watched the video of his first two starts and felt like he had identified what was going wrong. He said he wasn't pushing off correctly off his left foot, which is the foot that's on the rubber when he pitches, and he said he went back, corrected it, and felt good going into this start. I did think it was a little odd that he divulged that much about his struggles to Andy in that article, just two starts into the year, because it can always backfire if you pitch poorly again. You've already said what was wrong. You've already said you fixed it, and then you still do poorly. Well, where do you go from there? But that's exactly what happened. Irvin allowed six runs on five hits over just four innings of work with four Ks, two walks, and a home run allowed. 80 pitches to get through four innings, six hard hit balls against him. Irvin's ERA is now 10.66 through his first three Orioles starts. It is not good. At least he didn't walk four guys like he did in his last start, which tied a career high. But the stuff just was not there for Cole Irvin. He did get nine whiffs and, and six were on the four-seam fastball, which he did have working in this game but otherwise just was either off the plate or in the middle of the zone, and it killed him. It killed him in this game. I mean, the Orioles had him a 3-1 lead. He immediately gives up a three-run homer to Brent Rooker in the third inning. All of a sudden, Oakland goes on top. The Orioles get four runs at the bottom of the third. They go up 7-4. to four. You're thinking, okay, time for Irvin to settle down. Nope, he loads the bases, gives up a two-run single in the fourth. All of a sudden, it's a 7-6 game. Then they got to pull him. You know, all these starters not going deep into games, and Irvin was... Another one who just couldn't even get through five innings. And that's what we get to coming up next. It's not just a Cole Irvin problem. It's a most of the Orioles rotation problem right now. The bullpen, 
Hasn't been great, but it's had its moments, like Thursday. The offense has been amazing, and the defense has been up and down. But the starting rotation has just kind of been bad through 13 games this season. So we'll break down how bad they were in this A's series and what the Orioles can potentially do about it. That's coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions. Well, the total cost is actually closer to $200. And if you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions. They forget about chances are... You're one of them, but Rocket Money will quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you. And for any you don't want to pay anymore, you just hit the cancel button. And Rocket Money, they do the work. They cancel it for you. It's that easy. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB. One more time, rocketmoney.com slash Locked On MLB. And this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Game Time. Now, I went to the Orioles game on Thursday. It was already my third Orioles game out of seven home games this year. And I'm not a season ticket holder. I just kind of get the tickets shortly before the game. But buying tickets right before the game, it shouldn't be stressful. Well, Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the events near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and get hyped for all the fun that you will have. And they've got tickets to the Orioles. I'm always browsing on the Game Time app to try and find a good deal to Oriole Park at Camden Yards. You don't have to plan for months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets as well. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So on the Adley Rutschman walk-off solo home run in the bottom of the ninth inning, the Orioles defeat the A's 8-7 on Thursday afternoon and take three out of four with the series against Oakland to get back over 500. But I got to say, as I talked about before the break, Cole Irvin really did all he could to allow the A's to split this four-game series. He was really bad in his revenge game against his old team. And for Cole Irvin, it's now three starts and... Quite honestly, three bad starts in an Orioles uniform. Similar thing for Dean Kramer. We talked about on yesterday's episode after he struggled on Wednesday night. Three starts, quite frankly, three bad starts to begin the 2023 season after Kramer was great for the O's in 2022. And other guys have had struggles at moments. Grayson Rodriguez has. Tyler Wells has. Even Kyle Gibson did on opening day was not great, although he's mostly bounced back in the last two starts. Now, I got a shout out to Kyle Gibson because he did go six and a third, give up only one run on Monday night and, and set the tone for this series. O's won that first game five to one, got great pitching. You thought this is going to continue. And then all that good starting pitching went away. In the final three games of this series, it was Grayson Rodriguez who started Tuesday, Dean Kramer on Wednesday, and Cole Irvin on Thursday. Those three starters combined to go just 12 and two thirds innings. That is averaging about four innings per start. 
They allowed 16 hits and 15 earned runs in those 12 and two-thirds innings. That is a 10.66 ERA for the Orioles starters in that stretch. They struck out only 11 batters while walking eight and allowing three long balls against legitimately a bona fide AAA lineup. I mean, you look at the A's lineup, and yes, Brent Rooker has turned into prime Barry Bonds, but they've got Jesus Aguilar hitting fourth. Orioles fans know Jesus Aguilar is not anything close to the player he used to be. Carlos Perez, their backup catcher, who they signed to a minor league deal, was DHing on Thursday because they like his bat that much as compared to the rest of the guys they have on this team. It is not a good lineup. It's better than a AAA lineup, but it's not a legitimate major league lineup, I'll tell you that. And the O's got crushed. And again, Gibson was good on Monday, but after that, a 10-6-6 ERA. And the question is, how do you fix it? Because you could argue, you know, not even everybody in the rotation has made three starts yet. And you can say it's probably a little too early to pull the trigger, start making some panic moves. You know, you've got Gibson pitching well. You've got Irvin. He's still the veteran guy. You, you feel like he's going to turn it around. You are going to take the f- almost full season sample size of Dean Kramer from last year versus three starts of this year. And I get all that. But there are some options for the Orioles. Now, number one option is Kyle Bradish is going to return on Wednesday. He's going to pitch tonight four or five innings in a rehab start in Bowie. And as long as all goes good, he's going to be activated Wednesday and start game two of that two-game set in D.C. against the Nats. I think he's, when he gets back, going to be the Orioles' best pitcher. So that's certainly going to help the rotation. Now, talked a lot on yesterday's episode about who Bradish will replace. Talked about how it could be Dean Kramer, could be Grayson Rodriguez, could be Tyler Wells. Heck, it could even be Cole Irvin with how bad he's been in his first three starts. I mean, he does have a minor league option as well. So does Dean Kramer. So does Tyler Wells. And obviously, so does Grayson Rodriguez. The O's can can do some things here when Kyle Bradish comes back. But even with that, I mean, Bradish should help. I love his stuff. I think he's going to be great this year. But it can't just be that. I mean, you're looking down in, in AAA Norfolk, and we know the Orioles have some more starting pitching depth than they've had in the past. But it's kind of jarring when you see, again, None of these lineups that the Tides are facing are as good as the A's lineup. It's still a Major League lineup better than a AAA lineup. But the A's have one of the worst lineups in Major League Baseball right now. And they have some players who, if they were on teams that were trying to win, they would be in AAA right now. I mean, you could argue there's not many players on this A's team in the lineup right now who would be in the lineup of a baseball team that's really trying to win. And you look at what the Norfolk starters did in their last time around the rotation. Now, granted, Bruce Zimmerman did not pitch the last time around. He had a cut on his finger, so they skipped a start. But the last five starters for Norfolk for their last five games, Ryan Watson, Spencer Watkins, D.L. Hall, Drew Rahm, and Chris Valamont. Those five starters. Here's what their five starts looked like. 24 and a third innings, 14 hits, two earned runs, 23 strikeouts, 11 walks, and just one home run allowed. That is a 0.74 ERA for the Norfolk starters over their last five games. Let me say that again, 0.74 ERA. And you're not going to call them all up, obviously, and just replace the Orioles rotation. You can't do that. You can't even do anything close to that. But what you do have is two of those five pitchers have big league experience. One of them in Spencer Watkins has been in the O's rotation for most of last year and a chunk of 2021 as well. You have D.L. Hall, who's one of your top pitching prospects, and you're building up to be a starter in that group as well. And he pitched four and a third in his last start, so he's getting closer and closer to being, you know, all built up after the slow start to the spring. It feels like a move has to be made, and I don't know what it's going to be. And 
when Bradish comes back, there could be a multitude of moves, but I could even see a move being made today because today is now the day where you can start optioning players uh, back down to AAA and calling anyone up without it being injury-related. The CBA, the new CBA means you have to wait two weeks to do so, but today is that two-week mark. I could see a guy like Spencer Watkins coming up. Maybe they would want D.L. Hall to have a couple more starts, but I could certainly see a Spencer Watkins or even a Bruce Zimmerman if his finger's okay coming up. I talked about it on yesterday's episode. I could certainly see, at the very least, Joey Crable or Nick Vespi coming up to supplement and help out the bullpen at this point. But you might need some length because Austin Voth has pitched a lot and pitched poorly. Keegan Aiken has pitched a lot and pitched poorly. And Mike Bauman is closer to a one-inning guy than a long reliever at this point. You need some length in the bullpen. And I think they might need to add one of these guys. And even if it's not for the rotation, they need him in the pen. And they might need him in the rotation because you feel like you know, Spencer Watkins, from what he showed last year, he can keep you in a game. And I really want to see D.L. Hall back at the big leagues. That's two guys I think should be up here right now, potentially. And throw Crable and Vespi in the mix because they've been good. They've pitched in the big league bullpen. I think there could be some changes this weekend, especially if the O's continue to get hit around by a good White Sox offense this weekend in Chicago. I don't know if we'll see wholesale changes. They're going to you know, be patient with these guys. We might see some small moves being made, and it's getting more and more interesting to see what the O's decision is with who leaves the rotation when Bradish returns next week. But one guy who was called up on Thursday and is not a pitcher was Ryan O'Hearn, who came up to the O's and made his major league debut or major league debut with the Orioles and was a successful Orioles debut on Thursday afternoon. So coming up next to finish off the pod, talk about his performance and why the O's made the move that they did. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM. It's one of the coolest games I've played on my phone in a long time because it really lets you, you know, be a major league GM. And it turns out it's not easy. Fantasy baseball players, you know, want to play GM, but Ultimate Baseball GM lets you dive even deeper. You manage every aspect of your franchise, play through seasons, leading your team hopefully to glory, or in my case, not so much. And in the simulation, you're responsible hiring coaches and staff, managing finances, scouting, drafting players, managing personalities, looking through injuries, going through free agency, the trade deadline, the draft, everything you do as a GM, even paying for new facilities. And the game is completely free. You can play it offline, you play it on the go, and you play it when and where you want. And you can compete with your friends as well. I'm competing with the other Locked On MLB hosts to try and win a World Series. I don't think anybody's done it on the app so far. But Locked On Orioles listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probaseballgm.com. Scan the code or look it up on the app stores. That's probaseballgm.com. Ultimate Baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. So despite the best efforts of Cole Irvin, or I should say the worst efforts, the Orioles did win 8-7 on Thursday. An exciting game to be in the ballpark for Adley Rutschman's first career walk-off homer. And the O's take 3 of 4 from the A's in this four-game set. And they added a new face to the roster and to the lineup on Thursday who really helped them out, and that was Ryan O'Hearn. The Orioles announced before Thursday's game that they had called up O'Hearn from AAA Norfolk and in response had designated Anthony Bemboom, now the number three catcher for assignment. We'll see if Bemboom does clear waivers and get back to AAA Norfolk. I would think he probably does. But it was interesting to see O'Hearn come up because we were kind of flummoxed a bit when, you know, earlier this week, the Orioles optioned Kyle Stowers 
to AAA Norfolk and activated James McCann off the injured list and decided to carry three catchers for a few days. It makes a little bit more sense now that they've DFA'd Ben Boom today. I think they wanted the three catchers because the A's were starting three consecutive lefties in these games. James McCann hits lefties well. The Orioles wanted McCann in the lineup against those lefties, but they also wanted Adley Rutschman in there because he's their best hitter. So one was going to catch him, one was going to DH. And I think they wanted a catcher also on the bench just in case something happened, an injury, and they needed to get another backstop in there. So that does kind of make sense, and it makes more sense when, hey, we did this for, you know, four games, and now here is an actual hitter, and we're back to carrying two catchers. But it's also interesting because, you know, this is really Kyle Stowers' spot that now Ryan O'Hearn is taking. And with how little Stowers played and how early it was, you know, 12 games into the year when the Orioles make this move, it's pretty close to just looking at it like O'Hearn made the roster, over Kyle Stowers, and it continues to tell you more and more what the Orioles think of Kyle Stowers at this very moment, and their outlook on him is not as high as it is for some fans. Now, Ryan O'Hearn had earned the call-up, certainly in AAA Norfolk, in the first nine games of the year, 43 plate appearances. O'Hearn was hitting 300 with a 349 on base and a 725 slugging. He had four homers, three doubles, and 11 RBIs, was mashing the ball from the left side of the plate. And he's always had a good swing, always hit the ball hard, but never really put it together in his five years where he was kind of a, a 4A player up and down from AAA in the big leagues with the Kansas City Royals. Orioles got him off waivers this offseason, competed for that quote-unquote backup first base job. The Orioles sent all those guys to AAA. But now they kind of do have that backup first baseman on the roster as they promote Ryan O'Hearn. And he got the start at first base on Thursday, hitting eighth in the order. And he was huge in this game. O'Hearn went two for three with three RBIs, three hard hit balls. First at bat in an Orioles uniform, comes up with the bases loaded and one out in the second inning and grounds a two-run single into center field to put the O's up two to one. He gets himself a sack fly in the third inning that uh, extended the Orioles' lead to six to four. He had another hard hit ball later in the game on a single that he had in the eighth inning that started a rally where the Orioles are lucky they didn't get hurt by the fact that they had second and third no outs in the eighth and did not score a run. But O'Hearn was part of that rally with his single. It was kind of fun to watch Ryan O'Hearn at the plate. And you never know how this is going to play out. I mean, it was only one game, but three hard hit balls, three RBIs. That's a heck of a debut for Ryan O'Hearn. I mean, it can't go much better than that. I mean, short of not hitting a home run. I mean, he had two balls over 100 miles per hour off the bat. It was nice to see that from O'Hearn, and I don't know how much exactly he's going to play, but you now have that backup first baseman. If something happens to Mount Castle or you want to DH Mount Castle like the Orioles did Thursday, O'Hearn can also, he's not great at it, but he can also play the corner outfields. O's probably won't put him out in left field at Camden Yards, but they'll put him in right field, and they could put him either place in an away ballpark as well. And he could DH for you a little bit against right-handers. I certainly don't see him playing against lefty starters, but against some righties, O'Hearn's probably going to be in there, and he's going to play a, about a similar amount of time that Kyle Stowers was playing, you know, starting once or twice a week and then being a pinch hitter. But I think the Orioles are more okay, and that's what it comes down to. They're more okay with Ryan O'Hearn, kind of a journeyman, not a prospect at all, being in that bench role where he's not getting consistent at-bats, over Stowers, who I think, to some point, they still believe in can be something for the O's and obviously want him to rather get those everyday at-bats in AAA instead of play sparingly and, and just call it on when needed on the big league bench. So that's why they've seemingly replaced Stowers with Ryan O'Hearn, but a good start to his Orioles career for O'Hearn and the Orioles with the help of Ryan O'Hearn do win the series three out of four with the walk-off win 
on Thursday afternoon. But no days off coming up after this. Next up, the Orioles going to the south side of Chicago. They will take on the Chicago White Sox for a three-game series. That starts tonight. The White Sox 5-8 and eight on the season. Their offense has been good. Their pitching has been a little bit of a struggle, kind of similar to the O's, but haven't come up with as many wins. Tyler Wells will take the bump for his second start of the year at a 7.10 p.m. Eastern time start here on Friday night. He'll go up against Mike Clevenger. All I'll say about that is uh, hopefully the Orioles can knock Clevenger out of this game pretty early. And uh, always nice to see him give up a bunch of runs. The Saturday game is a 2.10 p.m. Eastern time start. A day game Saturday. Kyle Gibson goes for the O's. And the right-hander Michael Kopech, who has really struggled this year, goes for the White Sox. Then the series finale is on Sunday, another 2.10 start. This is a very, very fun pitching matchup. If you like stuff and you like strikeouts, you better be tuned in on Sunday. Grayson Rodriguez will make his third career start. He will go up against Dylan Cease, one of the best pitchers in baseball right now with a 1.65 ERA on the year. Crazy strikeout stuff. Pretty much strikes out 10-plus batters every time he goes out there. That is going to be a fun pitching duel on Sunday. And then I'll be back on Monday to recap all the action from the three-game series between the Orioles and the White Sox and get you ready for the Beltway battle next week as well. But that is all coming up on Monday's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.